Well, the provincial election campaign is officially upon us, although it started a long time ago, it seems. And the advertising has begun. Some things have changed even since the last election. Print, TV, even radio is still important, but more and more campaigning happens on social media. Polling is still important and all parties will do it and so will the networks and newspapers. But now though it is possible to see into the minds of voters without having to phone them at supper time to ask them a list of questions. Facebook and Google and others actively and passively can provide valuable data about interests, opinions, political leanings by tracking what social media users like, argue for or against, click to read or pass over. It's possible for one party to find out where its real and likely supporters are and direct advertising to them. It's called micro-targeting. So people who clearly lean to the left won't get as many ads and planted stories from the right and those who clearly are instinctively conservative will get fewer ads and appeals encouraging them to trust the socialists and vote left. It's now directed primarily to a party's core, those known to support the party to consolidate support. It's also aimed at people who are observed to be sympathetic to the party or curious to encourage support. So the idea is you don't put everything out there for everyone, you target like-minded people first. And sometimes that's enough. Now the Apostle Paul is concerned about the minds of the Philippians, what they think how they act toward one another. And he wants them to be of the same mind, be of one mind. Now, Doug Ford, Andrea Horvath, and Kathleen Wynne, each of them hopes that we will have the same mind as they do. And their campaign staffs are watching us carefully. Now, Paul's in jail in Rome. He can't watch the Philippians to see how they're behaving to see how they're thinking, to test their knowledge and understanding. He gets news about them and he writes back to them from a distance. But as a leader, he makes a personal appeal. He urges them to make his joy complete by demonstrating that they accept not just his words, but the pattern of life revealed in Jesus. Last week we asked what kind of church Paul would say was a good church. And Philippians 1 told us that the measure of a good church is the degree to which people can see and experience overflowing love. So Paul wants to hear back from his friends that the Philippian churches are good churches overflowing with love. Now, in many Bible translations, Paul argues from possibilities. He said, you know, if there is any encouragement and, and, and so on. But those words can also be translated so that Paul argues not from possibilities, 
but from evidence. Since there is encouragement, because we share in the Spirit, you know we experience compassion and sympathy every day. Make my joy complete. Build on this sure foundation. Be of the same mind, the same purpose, the same goal. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. And this like-mindedness isn't the same kind of like-mindedness that the political campaigns want us to adopt. This like-mindedness isn't mental concrete. It's choosing and committing to a way of living in a community in a world of others. Paul says, do nothing from ambition or conceit, but in humility. Regard others as better than yourselves. Let each of you look not to your own interests, but to the interests of others. Having, sharing this mind means openness, adapting, giving. Sharing, being of one mind, though, doesn't mean we must all be alike. 2,000 years of experience shows that being like-minded Christians actually leads to diversity. Diversity in worship and in mission and in understanding of what it means to be a disciple. In this congregation, we are all here for the same reason, I hope, and I hope we're all seeking the same mind that was in Christ Jesus, but that certainly doesn't mean we always agree on absolutely everything. Now, I know that 2,000 years of experience also shows that like-minded believers can become the same kind of like-minded people that party politicians look for and rely on. When religion and religious attitudes turn into mental concrete, disaster happens. Now, many scholars think Paul quotes a hymn so he's quoting words that the Philippians will already know. Maybe they sing them in worship. Words about Jesus. And words about how what Jesus did reveals something of God. But I have another issue with Bible translations. There's no though in the hymn. We don't sing conditional hymns. We sing with assurance. And so it should be in our English Bibles, Jesus was in the form of God. And what he did reveals God's nature. Jesus emptied himself, became human, to the point of submitting to human death, yes. But this wasn't a short-term project for God, for Jesus. It's the form, the nature, the mind of God to come close so close to us, at least until we get it, until we understand that God isn't completely isolated from us behind a cloud of glory. God isn't always angry with us or indifferent to our struggles. God isn't so far above the world that what happens in this world doesn't matter to God. We worship, love, and serve a God who refuses to act like a God. And we see that in Jesus. Occasionally I will quote this Danish guy called Soren Kierkegaard. You don't have to remember and try to pronounce the name, but one, 
One thing that he wrote in a collection of sayings called Provocations is, it is less terrifying to fall on your face when the mountains shake at God's voice than it is to sit with God in love as God's equal. And yet, God longs to do just that. Sit with us in love. So putting others and their interests first is what our God does. Not just once 2,000 years ago between the conception of Jesus and his ascension. So Paul has learned a lot about the God he thought he knew so well in his former life of zeal and pride. He's learned that humility is at the heart of God. It is God's strange, wonderful, crazy attitude toward the world God made. And having the mind of Christ in us doesn't set us apart, make us better, more righteous, more religious than anyone else. In fact, living the way of Christ toward joy can only make us humble. And this humility connects us. Pride shrinks our souls into what one preacher calls a dense wad of ego. Humility grows, he says, to a gloriously expanded self. You know, it is possible to disagree without being disagreeable, without insisting that someone has to win in any difference of opinion or priorities. But that's the kind of behavior Paul often addresses in his letters. I'm right, that means others are wrong. I have knowledge, that means you don't. I've been part of this congregation my whole life. That means you're a newcomer and you should defer to me. I deserve to be praised for doing my duty. These are first century church attitudes that Paul countered. Now surely we're past all of that in the 20th, 21st century, aren't we? Viktor Frankl was a German psychotherapist and brain surgeon, and he survived Nazi persecution and was a prisoner at Auschwitz near death on the Day of Liberation. He was a prolific writer and the founder of a new school of psychotherapy. But in his writings, reflecting on how people survive in circumstances they are utterly powerless to change, he wrote, everything can be taken from a person, but one thing, the last of human freedoms, to choose one's attitude in any given circumstance, to choose one's own way. Now, we're not powerless, not by any means, but how often do we surrender the freedom to choose? to change our attitudes, our minds. For several years, I had the privilege of working with a church musician who, as extremely gifted people often are, wasn't always easy to work with or live with. But overall, he was a delight to know and hear at work. 
And when he died, I felt I had to say that if his ego had been as great as his talent, he would have been impossible to live and work with. His colleagues nodded and spoke in agreement, especially those who called him the Lamb. Humility, the life force of community, the strength to live with diversity, difference, change, and even suffering. Make my joy complete, writes Paul. Be of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility regard others as better than yourselves. Let each of you look not to your own interests, but to the interests of others. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. Amen. Glory to God.